The first thing is, is really decide sort of what your philosophy is on that. Um, if you really feel as though that could ruin a friendship or a family relationship, then perhaps set the, the standard that, you know, I, I, I don't do that and, and communicate with the individual asking that I don't do that. And the reason I don't is because our relationship is more important. Um, and I don't ever want to compromise that by putting us in a position where there could be a financial question. Welcome to the Wealth Experience Podcast. From big picture planning strategies to developing market trends, we bring light to a range of important matters so you can build your wealth with confidence. Brought to you by BMO Wealth Management. Hello, and thanks for joining us today. In this day and age, staying private about your wealth can be difficult. For people that are visibly more affluent than their friends, it can create discord for others to know that you sold a successful business, belong to a wealthy family, or earn significantly more than others in the group. In this episode, Ruth Steverlink and Tina Milligan explore how establishing boundaries and setting expectations up front can help navigate awkward conversations about money. Ruth Steverlink is a principal and co-founder of Your Family Enterprise Advisors, Inc. Tina Milligan is a managing director with BMO Family Office, an integrated wealth management provider that serves ultra-affluent individuals, families, and family offices. Ruth is based in Vancouver, and Tina is based in Chicago. Hi, Tina. It's lovely to be here with you today. Um, Our topic today is uncomfortable money dilemmas and graceful ways to handle them, which I think is going to be of great interest to many who are listening. Yeah, thank you, Ruth. I enjoy. I look forward to our conversation. In this day and age, Tina, like it's really hard to stay private about your wealth, and I think um, people really struggle when they are visibly wealthier than their friends. It can create some kind of complexity for them. You just sold your business. Maybe people know how much you sold it for. You're part of a family that's known to have wealth. You yourself may not hold the wealth, but you're part of a family, and everybody thinks that you have wealth. Or maybe you just earn more money than your friends do. But it can create situations, for example, going out for dinner. So if I make more money than my friends or if they know that I've just sold my business for a significant amount or I'm part of a family that has a lot of money, am I expected to pay for dinner? And how do I deal with that situation? What thoughts do you have? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think that just because uh, you're the wealthier of the, of the parties that, that you have an expectation to pay. However, if you're feeling generous, of course, I would say... Certainly, that makes some sense. But the the biggest uh, advice that I give to wealthy clients who want to set appropriate expectations is is just that: have a conversation, communicate, uh, make sure that before you're going out to dinner, that uh, it's understood how payment is going to be decided. Uh, whether that is you're paying and and you've you've done things like say. Um, I'd love to take you out for dinner. We're going to go celebrate my birthday and and my treat. Or I've um, I've got this gift certificate I'd love to share with you, whatever it might be. Uh, as long as the expectations are established, then I think it's okay. And, and um, there shouldn't have to be the expectation that you're the one to pay simply because of your wealth, unless you want to. Right. I, I guess the, the risk is that you feel a level of discomfort because you know you have more money than your friends. So any thoughts on how to help in that situation? Well, the other thing is is making sure that you're going to places that are affordable for all, right? So um, perhaps not the most expensive of restaurants, or at least an agreement if, if that is the case, that, that that's acceptable to all parties. Um, so before uh, heading out to the restaurant, make sure it's a mutual agreement as to where you're going so that um, those who are joining are, are used to paying where you're going, right? I think that's really important. 
Yeah, I had a, a client situation once where um, they loved going to really nice restaurants, but they knew that that put a financial burden on some of their friends and they didn't want their friends to feel like they were always paying for them. So they would do things like, oh, we won this gift certificate at a <laughs> golf club, a golf tournament, and we, we want to share it with you. Or they would they would give us a reason, a rationale that allowed them to pay for the meal but didn't make their friends feel uncomfortable. So I think what I'm hearing you say, Tina, is, is manage expectations in advance. Mm-hmm. If you do want to be generous and paid, that's great. But I think if you overdo that, friends can start feeling a little bit uncomfortable. Right? I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, establish boundaries and, and, and certainly communicate and set expectations. Now, another dilemma that I think people run into where they have visibly more money than their friends and others in their circle is requests for loans of money. Um, it could come from extended family who maybe haven't participated in the wealth or friends who know that you've got more money than they do. And they come to you and they just need some help. Could you loan me some money because I've got this crisis? And then they don't pay it back or it becomes a real uncomfortable sort of barrier in the relationship. Any thoughts around how to handle that gracefully? Yeah, I, I think uh, the first thing is is really decide sort of what your philosophy is on that. Um, if you really feel as though that could ruin a friendship or a family relationship, then perhaps set the the standard that you know I I, I don't do that and and communicate with the individual asking that I don't do that. And the reason I don't is because our relationship is more important. Um, and I don't ever want to compromise that by putting us in a position where there could be a financial question. Um, however, if you do want to make the loan, perhaps. In some cases, it could just be considered a gift. And right at the onset, you say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this gift, but certainly make sure that you're um, doing that within the parameters of, of sort of gift tax and other rules so that you don't have a burden that you weren't expecting. Um, and if you really do want to make a loan um, and you do expect payment, then certainly make it businesslike. Make sure that you're working with an attorney to draft a loan. Make sure that the other party that you're lending the money to agrees to the terms and, and you outline everything and you're very, uh, again, very concise about what, what it is is expected and, and how it will be repaid. Um, and, and if and in that way, I think that you can establish that, that certainly repayment will happen unless you intended it to be a gift. I like the idea of handing it to a third party to deal with because I think that takes the emotion out of it. Yeah. So maybe it could be, your, as you say, your attorney or someone in the family office or, yeah. or somebody within the family that you say they deal with the loans. If you want to go, I'll get them to pass all the paperwork to you so you can retain the friendship yep. but manage the expectations. What about the situations where you've loaned money to somebody and they're not paying you back and now they stop calling you and the, have you ever come across that? Well, certainly that's happened. And that's where I, I think having sort of your philosophy at the onset um, so that you know how you're going to handle that. Um, y- you know, if all of a sudden that hasn't happened and, and you, you knew this could happen, uh, then perhaps just, just sort of letting it go and realizing that it's now a gift is the way to go. Otherwise, the hope is you did have that third party involved and perhaps they can be the intermediary to have conversations right. and follow up. So it's really that, similarly with the dinner example, right. it's really setting the expectations up front, being clear in your own mind about what your philosophy is around that that yeah. helps. That's great. Because otherwise, I think I can get pretty messy fairly quickly. With the <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> anytime, you, anytime you have an interface of money and relationships, it can get complicated, yeah. right? The other thing that I think I see a lot of, and, and I don't know what the right word for it is, but people who are kind of intrusive. So somehow, because you have money, 
it allow everyone else feels that it's okay for them to ask you questions that are actually quite intrusive. So, you know, you've sold your business and then suddenly your friends asking you, so how much did you sell for? <laughs> or you're driving a beautiful car and you're asked, did you get a deal? Or do, I mean, do you get the same rates as we do? Or do you get better rates? You know, there's that sort of intrusiveness that I think is above and beyond what we would normally have in conversations. How, how do you recommend that uh, people manage intrusive questioning about their private life? Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's what's your philosophy on sharing, but but there's another element when it comes to things like a business sale uh, in terms of privacy. I mean, we're in a world where so much information is out there and, and there could be sort of breaches of, of, of information and, and security. And so the need to be private could come front and center. And so um, not that I would say you could sort of hide behind that, but it, but I think it should be a policy to be sure that there are certain components that aren't known. And not only that, when it comes to a business sale, there could be other parties involved. Right. And so you're sharing information that might not be entirely yours to share. Um, and so, you know, I think it's per- per- perfectly within reason to say things like, you know, there are others involved in the business. I'm not comfortable sharing that. Um, you know, it's really not – it's important that I keep the privacy of my other partners or my other family members. Um, or, you know, simply say it's not my policy to talk about costs, but, you know, I really look forward to my next step in my business, or I'm really enjoying that new car that I got. And, you know, I'd be happy to um, introduce you to <laughs> the dealership or whatever else. But, but I, you know, again, it's not my policy to share that information because um, it's important that I have appropriate privacy. It sounds like it's really helpful to have sound bites prepared. So when you're caught off guard by somebody who's being a little intrusive, you actually have the language ready to say to them. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I think when we're caught off guard, we don't know what to say. But just anticipating some of those intrusive questions and having a soundbite might be really helpful. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I really think thinking about what your philosophy is on sharing and, and, and how you that. feel about, you know, and, and talking about that with your advisors because right. they can be helpful. They've had experiences probably on both spectrums with their clients. Um, and so, you know, really just understanding how, how you want to, your policy, if you will, Right. And how you share right. and how you can then approach. And getting clear on that so yeah. you're not taken off guard right. or put in awkward situations. So gracefully managing it. I love That's that. right. Another, um, I think another area that people run into which can get problematic is the requests for donations to causes. Um, I know I've got clients who are inundated with requests and they actually get quite overwhelmed and anxious about how to manage that. Do you have thoughts around how to gracefully manage multiple requests? And they're especially hard when they come from people that you really like. No, that's right. And causes that are really heartfelt to say no to them seems so mean. Right, right. Well, I mean, again, I think it goes to what's what's your philanthropic philosophy? What's your vision mission for your philanthropy? And oftentimes that's tied into a family entity, whether that's a foundation or a donor advised fund. Um, so I think the, the best answer is to to really think about what that philosophy is. And again, if there's an entity, what is the policy within that entity? It might be that all requests must go through that entity. And, and I think you can simply say that. Listen, um, I'm happy to, to put your request through to our family foundation. And, you know, if it, if it meets our requirements, then certainly you can expect that there might be um, some contributions made. Uh, or you could say, you know, our philosophy is this, and unfortunately your type of charity is not within the, within the vision mission of our, of our family philanthropy. Uh, again, just setting expectations and just uh, outlining how it is that you look at philanthropy at the onset can really help that. Or, or the other is, is it might not be your money for the decisions and really reiterating that. Right. And, and you could, I guess, also say, you know, we've actually 
we've actually completed our donations for this year. Yeah. But if you want to next year, I'd love to consider it. I think it's 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 sort of saying to the person, it sounds like a really great cause. Right. You don't want to acknowledge and, that they're and they're I'm, doing good. Yeah. Yeah. What you're doing is amazing. This year we chose to do X Y Z, but we'd love to consider it for next year or something, so That's you can right. deflect to the. So, what I'm taking away from this, Tina, which I think is super helpful, is really the the way to gracefully manage these difficult money dilemmas is to actually get really clear with your own self what your philosophy is going to be around paying for stuff for other people, around um, uh, giving loans to others, around charitable donations, around how you're going to manage privacy. Once you get clear on that yourself, it becomes much more easy to gracefully handle these situations you find yourself in. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tina. It's been lovely chatting to you Thank you. Nice chatting with you, Ruth. That was Ruth Steverlink and Tina Milligan on establishing boundaries and setting expectations up front that can help you navigate awkward conversations about money. I want to thank Ruth and Tina for joining us on The Wealth Experience. I also want to thank all of you for listening. If you discovered something you'd like to learn more about, we encourage you to carry on the conversation with your financial advisor. You can find additional resources for this episode at bmo.com slash thewealthexperience. For more about Ruth, visit yourfamilyenterprise.com. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to us on your preferred streaming platform. And don't forget to share this podcast with family, friends, and colleagues. If you have feedback on this content or suggestions for future episodes, email us at thewealthexperience at bmo.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, enjoy your wealth experience. You've been listening to the Wealth Experience Podcast brought to you by BMO Wealth Management. The comments included in this podcast are general in nature and are not legal, tax, or accounting advice. Professional advice should be obtained for your specific circumstances. BMO Wealth Management is the brand name for a business group consisting of Bank of Montreal and certain of its affiliates in providing wealth management products and services. BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated is a member of the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.